Listeners, welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies, and we are here today to talk about Dawn of the Dead by Zack Snyder, someone who's been covered extensively on this channel, and it almost wouldn't be right to talk about a Zack Snyder movie if Rob did not join me, so Rob, <laughs> welcome back. Boy, do you know any other director besides Zack Snyder? What's going on here? Uh, I, I think there's maybe two films left in his, uh, um, in his catalog that we haven't talked about yet. Um, other than army of the dead, which is, which is still coming, but yeah, I think pretty much we just got to do 300 and, uh, um, what's, yeah, there's another one, uh, that, that we, that we haven't covered yet, but, um, we haven't talked about I, it's been, oh uh, yeah, we, we didn't do that one yet either. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we did. We did Watchmen. Um, oh, you know, we didn't do Legend of the Guardians. Uh, Sucker Punch. That was the one I was trying to think of. I, I actually kind of like that movie and you don't particularly care for it. But yeah, we've pretty much covered almost everything else he's done. Yeah, yeah. Pretty polarizing, uh, pretty polarizing guy. And, you know, this movie, I'm really excited to start talking about it because going back and watching it, you know, we both watched the uh, director's cut for this one which is only nine minutes longer doesn't add a ton there's a little bit extra with it but boy this movie is it is so 2004 and you think about some of the stuff that's in this movie that just you know wouldn't fly today there were a, a couple of times when i just kind of sat there and went oh all right well yeah these things happened back then but uh an interesting movie nonetheless yeah, it's been um, easily, easily 10 years since I've seen it. And um, it's something that I kind of wanted to revisit because I wanted to see if there was any connection to uh, Army of the Dead, which was kind of a loose, you know, uh, spiritual successor. I wanted to see if there was anything connecting them. And I, I don't feel like there's any connection at all unless there's something I missed. But um, I hadn't seen this in a while and I was excited to uh, open it back up and re-explore it. Um, I think it's safe to say this is definitely a genre film. Like you gotta, you gotta ask yourself a question before, you know, we're still spoiler free here, so don't worry, but you gotta ask yourself a question. Do you like zombie movies? Because if your answer is yes, then I recommend this movie. If your answer is no, then I do not recommend this movie. This is not one where like in 28 days later, it's, it's the story of people in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, uh, you know, is the backdrop. Same thing with The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead is is more about the people and their struggles in the middle of this apocalypse. Um, where this is this is a true genre film. This is this is a zombie movie, and it's a good zombie movie. It's it's a fun zombie movie, but there's there's not a lot else uh, here if if you're not into that genre. Yeah, I think there are a couple of things in this movie that I want to talk about that I, well, I mean, there's obviously a lot that I want to talk about, but there's, there's two things in particular. One that I think he actually does very well for Zack Snyder in this movie, especially this being some of his early work. And then there's one thing that I absolutely cannot stand because it is such a cliche thing that happens and I will never understand it, but that's going to be spoilers. So, 
Rob, we've kind of delved into that, but if you could just sum up your thoughts on this movie in a quick recap before we get into spoilers, uh, how would you describe Dawn of the Dead? Do you remember when malls were a thing? Like people used to go to one building and all the things that you wanted to buy were in that one building. You would just walk from store to store and buying them before e-commerce changed the world. Like malls were a thing. You would go and you would like, I can remember when people would hang out at the mall. Like that's where you would go to just hang out. Maybe you bought like an orange Julius or something or like an Annie Ann cinnamon sugar pretzel. Those are my personal favorite was the cinnamon sugar pretzels. Um, But like that's what, I know, right? Now you kind of want one, don't you? Like, <laughs> yes, I, I, I know I do. Um, and and that was, you know, it, it was kind of weird to, to see that. Like, I, you know, I can't tell you the last time I actually walked in a mall on purpose, you know? So um, it, it, it's kind of a throwback to that. And, you know, it, I think I think to some extent there's a little bit of, of you know, uh, wish fulfillment in this movie. Like, the ability to just kind of smash and take what you want without consequences. Um, you know, I think that's why destruction rooms are so popular now where you can just walk in and like, just take a baseball bat to a bunch of old VCRs and like tube TVs and stuff like that. Like, you know, you put on like the safety glasses and you can just cause chaos and do whatever you want. And there's, there's no consequences for it. Like it's permissible and allowed. Like, I think that's a, I think that's kind of a fantasy for a lot of people to, so to see the characters just, you know, kind of like moving through a, a, a major, commerce area and just taking what they want and what they need is, is kind of, you know, it's kind of fun to see. But I also think that's part of the zombie appeal, just wave after wave of enemies that you can just dispatch and it's perfectly fine. There's no moral implications there. I, I think that is part of our obsession with the zombie genre in, in, in Western culture. So all that stuff is on display here. Um, you get some great Zack Snyder moments. I I personally think he's at his best when he's doing something funny in a very unhumorous context. And you get a couple examples of that in this movie. Um, and this is his first feature film. And it's kind of interesting to see where he's come from. For better or for worse, Matt, you mentioned it. We've talked about a lot of his movies and, you know, it's, it's kind of funny to think, you know, when we, when we reviewed his final cut that was, you know, 72 hours long uh, of Justice League, like you couldn't believe that that movie was made by him because it was so good. And not that this movie's bad, but you would never expect to get Justice League, the, his version of it, his, his, you know, director's cut version of it when this was his first feature film. Like I never would have connected those dots. Yeah, I think for Zack Snyder, I really think, and this will be way more relevant when we do Army of the Dead, I think Snyder's at his best when he just gets to do his own thing. And I think that's maybe why, you know, it, it has its fans and it has a lot more you know, vocal people who don't like them, but Man of Steel and Batman v Superman when he has an established lore, I think that's where he struggles because he wants, he's, I'll say he's creative. I will give him that. But when you have such a rich history with like Batman and Superman and these characters, you don't really need to go outside of the box. They have more than enough stories to hold an audience and captivate them. 
but he really shines when he actually gets to do his own thing. And although this is a, you know, semi like remake of George A. Romero, he still gets to really put his spin on it. And, and that's where he shines. So I am a fan of this movie. I actually think it's rather good minus a couple of wow. Um, yeah. for moments but yeah. I think he does a really good job so listeners if for some reason you've never seen Dawn of the Dead and you don't want to be spoiled pause this episode because we're going to get into heavy spoiler territory and which by the way we didn't get a chance to mention this Matt screenplay by James Gunn like yeah. I completely forgot he was involved in this um, it's just wild that these two guys kind of go on to sort of dominate, uh, well, you know, James Gunn's work for both Marvel and DC, but, you know, Zack Snyder was kind of the DC guy. Um, they both worked on this movie and went on to do multi-million dollar comic book franchises. Yeah, that was really odd. I completely had forgotten that James Gunn was a part of this. So an interesting start for both of these guys, so to speak. But, you know, Dawn of the Dead starts off, very typical of any real zombie movie. The outbreak starts and it spreads very, very quickly. But again, you know, this is one of those movies where you can understand why it spreads very quickly. These are not your typical, you know, they're stuck in mud zombies. They are very aggressive. They are quick and they turn incredibly fast. Mm, well, Sometimes. Minus, yeah. You know, <laughs> um, minus the, the tired trope of a main character somehow fights through until they need to turn for the plot. But, you know, this movie does have some pretty good gore. And I actually think, Rob, you, you talked about this, and I actually think there's some interesting characters in this movie. And I think one of them that I actually really like and I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts is the head security guard. When they do get to the mall, uh, his name was CJ. I actually like this guy a lot. And I think this is one of the things that I was really surprised at and rewatching this movie is he actually, to me has an arc in this movie. And I think Snyder actually made it very believable how this guy ends up towards the end. I, I do enjoy, I mean, in terms of characters who really have uh, um, a change, you know, they start one way in this film when we first meet them, go through a change and end as something different. He's maybe the only one who truly does. Uh, everybody else is still just kind of a version of themselves, I would say. Um, I, I think it's maybe a little heavy. And doesn't always make a ton of sense when when they first meet the security team when they get off the elevator and, and they've got everybody's got guns drawn and and they agree to take them in but they're prisoners like I don't know it never made sense to me just from a survival standpoint because it's like okay there's there's more people we've got a better chance of surviving if we have more people to guard the exits because first of all a mall is kind of a terrible place to hide out from zombies it's it's kind of awful like there's if the power goes out which it eventually does it'll be pitch black in there you're screwed there's too many exits too many entrances too much to worry about it's designed to be able to get in and out of easily um it's kind of a terrible place to hide 
from zombies because the food's going to go bad quickly, like <laughs> kind of a terrible place. So that to me, I didn't really like how that was written at the beginning. And I, I thought part of his character was just a little bit tired, like right at the beginning of this crazy apocalyptic situation. Like he went full on Negan, you know, if you're a walking right. dead fan, he was, he was full on like, fascist right out of the gate and the apocalypse like the bodies in the street weren't even cold so i thought uh, that was maybe a bit far because you know early on you know people would be much more willing to help one another and and try to get through it together and band together and we just need to bunker down so the army comes through and liberates us like he went i think they went a little over the top but in terms of what we actually see from him he's a he's a very interesting character at different points you know when he does agree to help them and and the trade-offs that he agrees to the things he doesn't agree to i actually really like that about him um the ending for him you know the his kind of redemption and his sacrifice at the end maybe a little tropey for me even if it works and I guess there's a lot of things about this movie you can say are maybe a little tropey, but mostly work in most examples. Yeah, that's that's why I'm so surprised at this movie on my rewatch is there are a lot of tropes in this movie. And for me, the majority of them actually do work, which is very surprising because I've never actually thought that's why one of the that's one of the things about the Snyder cut of justice league that I was just blown away by. I've never particularly been a fan of Snyder trying to like portray characters and emotion. I never really think that it works well for him and that you feel anything for the people that are in his movies. I I just never have. I don't think he translates that very well. And I don't know if that's because Gunn wrote the script or how he directed them. Maybe it's a little bit of both. But for the most part, it works here. You know, another one that I actually thought really worked. Sorry, I'm just laughing because I like him, Ty Burrell from Modern Oh, yes. I think he's fantastic. But... He's just that typical douchey character in this movie that is like doesn't want to lift a finger and usually to me comes off as just like, oh my God. And maybe it's because of my, you know, fondness of him from American Family, um, Modern Family, sorry, and that is like skewing my judgment. But I even think his character worked in this, even though he is just that typical zombie apocalypse douche who usually you're like, all right, just, you can, you can eat him. I, I agree. Actually. I think he's probably one of my favorite characters in this just because he, he's very one dimensional, but he's still fun. And Ty Burrell plays him phenomenally. I love the bit at the end where they're getting in the buses and they're going to make their break. And he puts on a suit and a tie. <laughs> like It's just, right. it's so ridiculous. And, and this movie is ridiculous. You just kind of go, all right, I'm here for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So because we're talking about typical zombie tropes, let, let's just get these all out of the way. I'm going to mention the one that right off the bat that I absolutely can't stand. Now, your two main characters, Anne, who is the nurse, and you have Michael, who 
really is a nobody. He makes a joke that he sells televisions because he gets asked, like, why should we listen to you? Like, what were you, military, secret service? He's like, I sold TVs at Best Buy. And I was like, eh, that's funny. Can you tell me, Rob? I mean, I've never been in a zombie apocalypse, so maybe if we ever in one, my opinion will change. How is it that these people just like not even like each other, but how did how do him and Anne like literally fall in love with each other? How does this happen every <sighs> single time? Now, I will say not to be I, I will keep it as tame as possible. I completely understand the other characters and them getting together physically. I can understand that you're in a zombie apocalypse. You don't know how long you have left. I'm pretty sure that would happen more than normal. But this, and she was married. She was just with the guy at the beginning and watched him get his neck bit off by their dog. Like, how do these two people actually, by the end of this movie, when he gets, you know, bit and he's like, I'm going to stay behind she's like genuinely like heartbroken. Like she's in love with this dude. And I'm just like, how does this happen in every single, every single zombie movie, something like this happens. The characters of Michael and Anna getting together is a very low point of, of this movie. If, if it was just a physical attraction thing and it's just like, yeah, we're probably all going to die in horrible ways. Let's, you know, Let's get our rocks off one more time, you know, like that, that you get, but trying to make it seem like there's a true romance here um, really is a very low point. And, and it's a big miss in this movie. And part of the reason why I think it's such a big miss, other than the fact that it's a trope and it just gets shoehorned right in and is really unnecessary, adds nothing to the plot, adds nothing to my feeling of Michael as a character or Anne as a character, it doesn't really build either of them in any way at all. But the, the biggest problem I have with it is there's a really great scene of Anna when she is going into the one room looking for medical supplies. And she has this moment where she kind of just breaks down because it, her life finally, like the, the, the pace at which things are happening finally stopped long enough for her to have to consider everything that's just happened. And, and it's a really good moment. And I, I, it just really jumped off the screen to me of how good that was written. It's a short moment because they don't give her very long to have it, but you can read that. And her husband had his neck bit open by this neighborhood kid his body's not even cold yet. And she's already making out with this other guy and like forming a romantic relationship. Like it, it does, it, it doesn't work. And it really diminishes the effectiveness of seeing the weight of these events on her, um, which is, I think a really high moment of the film earlier. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I like that scene as well, where she just, you know, breaks down and then that, jerk security guard is like come on let's get going but again it doesn't provide anything to the movie you could have him still get bit and tell the group i'm not going anywhere and you know you have ving rames in this movie who plays um 
uh, a police officer named Kenneth, you could have everybody feel the same way he does. Like, he's not, you know, he doesn't act overly sad, but you can tell, like, he just says to him, are you sure you want, like, this is what you want to do, brother? And he's like, yeah, um, I think I'll just stay here and watch the sunset. Like, you could have the entire group be upset that he needs to stay behind, and it would be, it would be effective. These guys have been through a lot together. They've watched people die. They've all lost loved ones, and that would work. But yeah, that typical oh, there's they fall again. I, I'm gonna say like, geez, they act like they love each other. It is just you know, it takes away from a moment that actually could have been pretty cool because again i think he has snyder has some pretty good character moments in in this movie when they're sitting around the table talking about things and you know oh what did you do and (laughs) they make the joke where he's like oh well i went from this job to this job and then he goes well it's a real shame this uh you know end of the world happened otherwise things were panning out for you like there's actually really good moments in this movie where this this ending is undercut well undercuts those moments i agree 100 percent. and i think one of the things that makes me like the character of michael and like so many moments in this movie is when you have when you put regular people in extraordinary situations and some of them make the decision to step up you know they see the chaos swirling around them everybody's fight or flight instinct is kicked into, you know, seventh gear. And some people, they, they go calm, they make decisions, they make sense, they look for a path and they guide the people around them to safety. And that's what I love about the character of Michael. And at the end, when he's bitten, I mean, he, he's in some ways the group's de facto leader at different points of this, or, or at least the, the voice of reason, the guy that's getting them to safety, the guy that's working to protect everybody and doing the best job of it. Then when you add this other, uh, poorly add this other element to his character, that there's maybe this love interest thing that it, it, it pulls away from that aspect of his character, that he's just a regular guy who's... It could could literally be half the people that you that live in your neighborhood, you know, divorced, works a regular job, is not an extraordinary person on his own, but becomes an extraordinary person when put in extraordinary circumstances. And if they had just left it at that, he is a. I think his ending it resonates even a little bit more. Right. Exactly. And you know. I really do like, I, I mentioned Ving Rhames as Kenneth. I like his relationship that he develops with Andy, the gun, the gun store owner from across, yeah. like, you know, across the way. I, I like the fact that they, you know, write notes and they're playing chess. And, you know, <laughs> at one point he tells them, you know, everything's gone. And he, Andy writes back with, so what's the bad news? Um, I like that relationship. I even like how, you know, they start to show Andy to really start withering away and they make the, the decision that we got to go get him some food. He's got to be, you know, rested. He's got to be rested up and he's got to have energy. If he's going to take this trip with us, I I like that relationship too. I think that really worked well. I, 
again, I, I'm very surprised by how Zack Snyder has some of these characters developed in this movie because it's not his strong suit. But you do have some of those typical tropes that are just really bad. Uh, one of the other ones is, uh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting her name in this, is the girl who goes insane over the dog. Um, uh, Nicole, I think is her name. Yes, Nicole, um, who, who jeopardizes everything, um, you know, for this dog. And everything was okay, but she's, you know, completely irrational. And it's that again, I was just like, Typical, typical, typical. One person screws it up because they get overzealous. Yeah. There was some really like, there was really good momentum building in that scene, and you know, okay, they're going to, you know, spruce up these buses, which was really, really cool. Like, and then there's just a couple of bits here and there where, for me it keeps this movie from being almost like great in my opinion. It makes it good. A couple of these things taken out that are like very typical of this genre. I think we're looking at a, a great movie that Zack Snyder produced. Um, Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent with that. I think there's, there's some path of least resistance type of screenwriting moments um, that maybe an additional revision or just a little bit of fine tuning, you know, the, the moment you spoke about with Nicole, I mean, she goes very quickly from, you know, losing her father and, and that being a very traumatic scene, like that's, that's pretty messed up. Um, And we see this in every zombie movie. There's, there's a hard moral decision to make, right. Or all zombie fiction in general, you know, the needs of the many versus the, the needs of the few, those kinds of things, or what's moral to kill somebody or not kill somebody. If, you know, before everybody kind of figures out how the rules of this zombie fiction work, he's bitten. They're talking about executing him. Um, You know, that was, that was actually really well. I don't, I had said this when we were talking about 28 days later, one of my favorite things about that movie is the turn is fast. So you don't have that person who's bitten, secretly bitten, hiding it, you know, having different periods of time that it takes somebody to turn. Um, When, when it's done well, it can be very effective. And I actually think there's a couple I think that scene is, is pretty effective. Um, you'd mentioned the, the relationship between um, Ving Rhames character, uh, Kenneth and, and Andy. I actually love that scene where they're playing chess. And I think, I think it really sh- shows off when Snyder does things well, he does them differently and better than anybody else. You think about the opening and just the frenzied chaos and the use of the Johnny Cash song is so good. It's great. I mean, it is the juxtaposition between the the music and the images is so awesome. And then they've got uh, the chess game they're playing. Meanwhile, there's a lounge version of Disturbs down with the sickness playing in the background. And it's perfect. And we see the group kind of settling into almost a new normal. Um it's those moments are so well done, but then you get that, you know, Nicole makes that decision at her, you know, after just having this traumatic thing with her father, all of a sudden, like 
now she cares about this dog more than anything else in life. Like, I don't know. I, I think that maybe could have been explained. I mean, there's a lot of ways they could have done what they did with, with just with having a better impact by making the motivations make a little more sense. Right. Exactly. Now you mentioned too, you know, I mentioned as well, quick turns here. These, you know, you get bit, you turn quick. Um, unless you're one of the main, uh, main, main characters. And we see that with Andre and his wife who is pregnant. Her name is Luda where he keeps her away from the group because she's going to turn after they find out like, Oh, I think it's the bite. That's what does it when they, you know, watch somebody turn because they were bitten Uh, again, a typical trope in zombie movies, but her demise really is, I don't think something that, well, not just hers, but I, I don't think you get away with that now with what these characters have to do once they find out she was pregnant and they walk into that room and everybody's dead. Uh, I don't think that scene sees the light of day in this day and age. It's, it's not a good scene. Um, I, uh, I don't like anything about it. Um, So I mentioned it'd been a long time since I'd seen this movie. I didn't remember a lot of things about it. I remembered like the, you know, the fun moments of them writing on the whiteboards back and forth. I remembered that. I kind of remembered parts of the ending. Um, You know, I remembered parts of the beginning. I definitely remembered the zombie baby because um, it's terrible. Let's, I mean, is there another way to put it, Matt? It's just terrible. No, I I remember it being, I, I remember it being controversial back then. And, you know, people just asking like, what was the point of like, what was the point of this? It was shock value kind of for shock value. Yep in the movie and yeah i again that's one of the things where i don't think it really it really works like they've been through enough they've had to make enough decisions um you know that they're not you know not everybody's comfortable with or not everybody likes but you have to do them so uh, so hey matt let's do this let's make a list of all the things we want out of a zombie movie okay so you start thinking about all the things you would want in your ideal zombie movie zombie show zombie video game comic book whatever how far down on that list of things that you want to see do you have to get before you include the words zombie baby because i'm going to tell you it appears nowhere on my list right exactly 100 percent. i didn't i didn't ask for it i don't want it I would never ask for it. And I definitely don't ever want to see that scene ever again. Like I just, I don't need it. What did it add? And I think you hit it perfectly. It's there for shock value and it's not even good shock value. Like you come away from it just feeling icky. Like you just go, I don't want to go through that experience again. It doesn't, it doesn't resonate with you the way that, think of almost anything else (laughs) like think think about 28 days later when frank is killed like that that was a terrible thing that happens to him and it resonates with you like that meant something this meant nothing it was just gross right yeah no exactly so you know a couple of things again there's there's a few things in this movie there's not many that keep it from really being i think it just keeps it at being good and not great. 
But funny, like, funny enough, this movie actually really over the years, not that it was unfavorably talked about when it first came out, but there's over time been a lot of people that really have gone back and talked very highly about this movie with what Snyder accomplished and how it still holds up. And again, like it really does. A lot of it does hold up. It's just the typical, the typical things that you saw in 2004, Rob, you and I talked about this, you know, at a, at a different time before we were actually recording this episode of, you know, Vin Rame's character. It's at one point, somebody calls him Shaq and it's just like, okay like you you listen to that now and it's just it's so unnecessary and again there's a lot of things that hold up but there's also things where you go oh yeah this this definitely came out in 2004 yeah there's there's some moments with him there's some moments with Mackay Pfeiffer's character um Andre that are stereotypical that um you just you don't see movies written that way uh, in the 21st century. I mean, not well. This movie came out in the 21st century, but I guess in the 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 20 teens through the you know through the 2020s, um, you would you would not see certain elements of this script executed the way they were. They just would never they would never make it through. They wouldn't even be put in a first draft because the screenwriter would just know that you just can't do that. Right, exactly. So, a couple things, you know, here and there that just kind of make you, you cringe. But, overall, a really enjoyable experience with some very surprisingly, to me, decent character development. Great zombie action, though. We haven't really talked about that, but great zombie action, some really good creative kills, a couple of propane tank incidents where they blow up. I thought the bus scene was really, really cool. I like how they're getting ready to go to the marina to get on a boat. I really like that. I thought Snyder did a very good job with the gore in this movie while never making it feel over the top. And again, I'm all for that. The the horror genre, which I don't consider this a horror movie really, but this sort of genre is like my favorite and I'm all for the the buckets of blood and gore when it calls for it in certain movies and that's what they're supposed to be but I think he did a really good job of I hate to say the word taming it but making it believable to it, it where it doesn't become like comedy where it's not distracting you know I think at times um, you think about like how Quentin Tarantino especially in like the first Kill Bill would use a comedic amount of blood for certain things. Um, it's grounded in in something that a person watching it would feel realistic. I mean, I mean, uh, delete that zombie baby altogether. I mean, what's the most gratuitous thing that that happens? Maybe um, you know the the chainsaw kill in the uh, inside the bus where he slips and he accidentally chainsaws the you know, one of the members of the group like that to me, I thought was kind of stupid, but like, is that maybe the most gratuitous thing that you see? And, and even at that, I didn't think it was uh, from a practical effect standpoint. I, I didn't think it was terribly done. I just yeah. didn't really like it. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, you know, ridiculous that he falls, but 
uh, again, I, I've never been in a zombie apocalypse and I've never been hit by a chainsaw, but I, I can't imagine it's going to be clean when you directly fall into somebody with a chainsaw that is that is moving. So, although I think and, and keeping your hand on the like on the gas the whole time, like that that is like that's not that's not how that would work. <laughs> right. So I think you know the amount of like blood that happens again i think it's believable even though the scene is like eh, okay but... right and that's you know i think that's what we had kind of said at the top i mean this is this is a genre film do you like zombie movies because if you do there's there's a lot of good stuff here i i think the i think a lot of the zombie kills are, are interesting i mean there's not a ton of things that we've never seen before necessarily but um in terms of you know some of the action, I I really like the Mad Max buses. Let's talk about that for a second because those yeah. are cool. They are, I mean, just they're they're rad. They're over the top. They're excessive. Because let's just get right down to it. Like putting the razor wire around the top of it, like that doesn't actually stop a zombie. Like that's just there to make it look cool. Like it would actually be more of a detriment to the survivors <laughs> than it would be, you know, keeping zombies off of you. But at the same time, like you know, the, the montage of them building it, the whole idea of building it. Um, I just, I, I love those. I think, and that's probably my favorite scene in this movie is when they're actually, you know, using the buses um, and they're on their way out and, you know, guns blazing and the chainsaws are going and, um, you know, they're trying to get through the crowd and stuff like that. I, I, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that definitely is a really fun scene. I mentioned it you know, a little bit earlier in this episode where I, I like that montage. And again, that's, you know, for those few things that he does do that, it's like, okay, take this out. You've got a better movie. Sometimes these montage scenes are just, they miss the mark so much, but yeah, like this one, this one works. It's fun when they get out with the buses and, you know, even when he does, like it leads to a, a goofy scene, but you know, even when he's like, hey, check this out, you know, the chainsaw, when they're on the side of the bus, we can hit them off. Like, again, it it works. That montage scene is a lot of fun. Them just driving through that field of zombies and trying to, you know, make it through. That's a lot of fun. It, it works. And as a whole, that's basically how you sum up this movie. It's it's fun. It's a fun zombie piece. Yeah, it's um I mean, how many times do you see yourself rewatching this film in the future? I mean, I I've seen this a couple times now. It's been a while. I I don't know that like this will be an annual watch for me. Um but I could see myself revisiting this um because the parts at work are are really good. I I think that the next time that I watch this, it'll probably be with one hand on the fast forward button to get through some of the parts that are just kind of dumb um but the parts that work really well are really good yeah um again an, an early work from snyder and something that i think you know he didn't try and copy to a degree the formula from george a romero for dawn of the dead that was much more there's a lot more underlying messages in George A. Romero's version of Dawn of the Dead, and this one, Snyder really does his own thing, and it works. Again, I, I think Snyder's at his best when he has an original 
again, I, I say original, but he's allowed to just make his own decisions and doesn't have an established lore. I, I kind of want to go back. Watching this movie really makes me want to watch Sucker Punch again because it's, you know, it's his vision for what he wants to do. So this movie's kind of made me want to go back and watch one that I, I wasn't too fond of. Um, you know, I'm kind of there with you because it was wild. It was goofy. It wasn't like anything I'd seen before. And I've only really seen it one time. Um, so I kind of, I kind of want to check that one out again, since, since we're pretty much covering Snyder's work up and down the, his, his library. It's like, it may as well at this point. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think, uh, that should definitely be on the viewing list because if I remember correctly, I have only seen Sucker Punch one time, and it's way back when. I saw it when it first came out in theaters, and I believe that is the one and only time I have ever watched that movie. So it has been an extremely long time since I've seen that. Yeah, and I, th- I kind of think you almost got to be in the right mood. Like, I don't know if that's one you can just sit down and just watch by yourself. I think that one is probably better enjoyed with with, with other people to, to watch and just like laugh along at the absurdity of it and and maybe have a chance to enjoy the creativity of, of just something we've never seen before. Um, was was sort of I, th- I think that's that's sort of how I remember it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's a good way to put it. So, Rob, you know, with, with Dawn of the Dead, his his first work, really, we're going to be covering Army of the Dead here coming up. What other thoughts do you want to say about this movie? You know, the one thing that always kind of strikes me as odd, and it jumps right out in this movie, but in, in a lot of zombie fiction, man, doesn't it just seem like everybody is proficient with guns? Like everybody just knows how they work. They never forget how to like rack an action back. Nobody ever like forgets to turn the safety off. All of the ammo just works flawlessly. Like nobody ever loads something backwards. Like it's, <laughs> it always just strikes me as amazing. Like they all have perfect form. <laughs> and they they all know how to like align a sight picture and you know the, the marksmanship that people have in zombie fiction is just incredible to me like cj later in the movie pulls out a sniper rifle and he's you know he's he's popping heads from like you know 100 200 yards away like it's right maybe yeah. he's got maybe he's got firearms training maybe but I'm going to be willing to bet. And and th- this is something that's kind of tough because, you know, guns are one of those things that like are kind of a taboo subject, depending on who your friends are. Like you don't really talk about guns the way you don't talk about religion and like some of those other like big off, you know, taboo subjects. So, but for the most part, I'm going to tell you that I don't believe most people know how to use a firearm. I'm going to guess that less than 25% of the U S population actually is proficient with firearms. Like it's probably way under 25%. Um, but in zombie movies, it's a hundred percent. Like it's always amazing. Like, and they always have the right ammo. Like it's never like, Oh, I've got a 357 and that's 45 ammo. You know, like it's, it's never like, Oh yeah, this, you know, yeah, this is the right ammo, but it's the wrong magazine. Like it doesn't fit in this gun. It actually fits in that gun that is, you know, that guy's dead and he's holding it over there still. Like it's, 
it always strikes me as so odd. Um, but and it's just one of those things that we all just kind of accept in movies. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. It's just like, hey, do you know how to use this? Yep. And then again, they just they grab the box of ammo that's clearly for the right gun. You know, why do people have you know training or anything like that? Because boy, in a zombie, it's it's like the Matrix. You just download gun training into your head during yeah. the zombie apocalypse, and you're set. You go from selling TVs at Best Buy to being able to, you know, work on the SWAT team. <laughs> like right. everybody falls in line, they stack up perfectly. Like they they know their they know their fire ranges. Like they they definitely know their lanes. They they know like very rarely do they accidentally shoot themselves or somebody else. Like and that's immediately the first thing that would happen with a group of people with limited to no firearms experience is there's going to be like four or five friendly fire deaths almost immediately, like nearly immediately, or the gun's going to go off in their hand and it's going to go flying over their head. Cause they they've never experienced the recoil of a handgun before and don't know how to hold it properly. <laughs> like those are all things that would happen immediately. Um, but we never see that. I kind of want to see a zombie movie where that happens. I don't, can you think, am I missing uh, something? Is there a movie or a show you can think of where we actually see that? Uh, or is it just they're all all the survivors are former SEAL Team Six members? You know, I th- I think really the only one that I remember, and it's more of a circumstance. It's really not because of the gun, but in World War Z, where the doctor actually slips down the ramp of the plane and shoots himself and kills himself. Mm. Okay, I, yeah. I think that's one of the only times where it's like, yeah, I could see that happening. Like. You don't know how to handle a gun. You don't have it, you know, holstered correctly, and boom, you're dead. Um, I, I think that's really, yeah, one of the only times, besides, like, the typical, you know, somebody gets killed because they think they're a zombie, that's not that's not the same as what you're talking about, um, where this 95-pound person has a shotgun and it doesn't kick their shoulder out of socket. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, they just immediately go from, oh yeah, I'm a nurse to all of a sudden it's just like, yep, I've got great trigger discipline. Like <laughs> I just know how these things work. It's um, I, I've always found that, you know, it's one of those things like, yeah, willing suspension of disbelief, but it's, it's hard to not notice that. <clears throat> like, it's also kind of hard not to notice like how much the security room kind of looks like the lounge of a nightclub, like a security <laughs> room of a mall is a closet. It's a closet. There's brooms in there. The mop is stored there. There's like three TVs and they're not even flat screen. They're old. They're black and white tube TVs. You can't see shit on them. Like you can't tell who's who. Like, and these guys have a couch. They have, they have a jail cell. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, I will say one of the last things um, <laughs> that I want to say, like, I actually want to give him some praise on this. You know, this movie, again, when he first starts out, is before Zack Snyder apparently forgot, you know, color palettes. Um, and everything is very, like, dark with uh, no hues. But I was actually really surprised because seeing so many things now that Zack Snyder does to, to really see the color palette of this movie. And something I'll talk about in Army of the Dead, too, when we review that one, because... They're definitely, to me, different than his other works. Very much so. Yeah, it's noticeable. So, Rob, you you mentioned it, but you mentioned it, but 
any other favorite scene that you have from this movie besides that bus montage? Um, I like that. And I like the chess scene. I, I like the absurdity of it. Um, and I like the opening. Um, you know, like I said, when, when they've got the Johnny cash going to the background and it's it, the scene that we're getting, the, the images on screen don't really match the upbeat tempo of the music. Um, it's absurd. It's fun. And it takes, you know, a gory movie where people are dying in horrible ways and it injects real honest, actual real funny humor uh, in it. I, I, I like those scenes a lot. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I think that the opening is very good. It paints, you know, a very good picture of what's going on. I like the bus scene a lot. I also do. I really do like the scene where they are going over to get Andy. I, I like that scene a lot too, because they all get, you know, worried about whether or not he's okay. And then when they realize that they can't go get him, I actually think again, it, it's very subtle, but I think that's another piece where Snyder, you know, his character show good emotion that this guy that they were trying to help, they no longer can. I, I thought that was really well done. I also want to point out a small moment of that scene too, that I think was really effective when Nicole's got the walkie talkie and the group is powerless to help her. That conversation and the way that that's filmed was really well done. I thought just, you know, you feel like their, their struggle of, and their feeling of powerlessness to have any effect on helping this person um, that they can only talk to. They can't actually do anything for her. I actually thought that was really well done. Yeah, I, I do too. I think what we'll have to do, Rob, is with all the Snyder movies that we're doing, at the end of it, I think we're going to have to have a sheet and just say, okay, yes, I like this movie. No, I don't like that movie and see where he falls. How many we think are good and how many we think are bad. Um, mm. again, we're, we're getting close to going through his, his major stuff here, which eventually we're just going to have to cover out of principle on the channel. So, I mean, I've never seen Legend of the Guardians, but I think my kids have seen that and I think they liked it. So, yeah, we're, we're pretty close. Uh, now, are you saying anything he's credited with as a producer and writer or just as a director? No, just as the as the director. Yeah, because there's not much left. No, no, I, I think eventually we'll have to get through to those. So, you know, speaking of getting through, Rob, what? What's going on in your world here of the extended podcast universe for listeners? When are we getting another episode? Whew. Um, Eric and I have it down to two um, between what what'll be next, and um, we we I think we, I think we have decided on what we're going to do. Uh, it's just a matter of getting it uh, getting it recorded. Uh, he's got a lot going on in his life. Uh, I've got a lot going on in my life. Um, so having time to uh, sit down and, and give it the time that we like to put into it um, is is tough. But I think probably by the end of November, we should be good to go to uh, launch the fifth edition of the Extended Podcast Universe. But we, we have a lot of fun doing it. We, we really enjoyed uh, doing Gone in 60 Seconds, which is one of those ones that a lot of people kind of forget about. And, and you kind of forget how much you, you enjoy it. Um, and I think the next one might be uh, might be in that same vein. Yeah, that's 
that is cool. I have enjoyed every single one of those episodes. Your your Gone in 60 Seconds review actually made me go back and watch that movie because I completely <laughs> forgot about it. So I'll be really looking forward to seeing the next edition of the Extended Podcast Universe. And for any listeners, you know, right now, if you're interacting with a social media page, which is really awesome, really appreciate it. Uh, I did talk about November being animated movie month. Rob and I had planned to do Dawn of the Dead and Army of the Dead here before October ended. But like Rob said, uh, he's a busy guy. So we weren't able to really get together. I had a couple things come up too. So we will be doing, uh, you know, Army of the Dead here as well. But I still have everything coming up here for animated uh, movie month in November. And in this month, there'll be a new segment for listeners, which I've gotten some really good feedback on so far called Penny for Your Thoughts, where the upcoming movie that I'll be doing, uh, the next one will be Dragon Ball Super uh, Broly, the movie. And for Penny for Your Thoughts, it's interacting with the listeners' comments and sparking conversation off what you thought of the movie or anything that I have said on the social media pages. So really looking forward to bringing that segment you know, to the show and getting some, some really cool feedback so far from listeners. So Rob, if you don't mind, where can listeners interact with the show, interact with, you know, your posts and comment on the episodes that you've already released? Yeah. So of course there's, there is uh, the social media channel. There's uh, you can find Matt goes to the movies on uh, TikTok. You can find it on Instagram. You can find it on Facebook, uh, leave comments wherever you prefer of those different channels. Uh, you can email the show MGTTM podcast at gmail.com. Just the initials Matt goes to the movies and then podcast at gmail.com. Um, Definitely uh, would love to hear from anybody that has listened to these episodes and has maybe gone back and rewatched something just based on uh, listening to us talk about it. Or if you have a different opinion uh, on something than, than what we've uh, come up with or something we missed, you know, by all means, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and then podchaser.com, you know, is definitely another great way to interact with the show. You can leave a review of the show as a whole. You can leave a review on individual episodes. Um, you can do, uh, you know, obviously we would love for you to do a five-star review, uh, but if it's even not a five-star review, just certainly leave the leave a review. It lets other people know that this is a show worth checking out, and uh, you can leave comments as well about the show. Yeah, and that's, you know, a great point to go into the giveaway that the show was doing. I had an opportunity to get a hold of five copies on Blu-ray of Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins, and November 7th will be the cutoff date. If you go to podchaser.com and leave a review on any episode as an individual review or even the show as a whole, you are entered to win one of those five copies on Blu-ray. So again, get your reviews in at podchaser.com, look up Matt Goes to the Movies, and I will draw a name for one of five copies of snake eyes. So one thing that I do want to just make sure that I stress is it does not have to be a five-star review. If you think an episode or the show is a five-star, that's awesome. I really appreciate that. Rob really appreciates that. But if there's an episode that you don't particularly agree with, whatever review you leave, you are still entered into that drawing. So go to podchaser.com, 
leave your reviews. I look forward to bringing animated movie month here in November with Dragon Ball Z Super Broly being the next one that's going to be released on November 8th and getting to Army of the Dead with Rob. Until next time, listeners, stay safe. Thanks for tuning in.